What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It has been a minute since we did this podcast. I'm sure some of you guys have had your turkey already and all of your Halloween candy, but we are back. Kyle and Ed, the You Know I Got Soul, So in Stereo podcast. Tom, unfortunately, is not with us today, Ed. Where is Tom? <laughs> if I know Tom like I know Tom, he is eating the driest of Thanksgiving leftovers. No seasoning, no sauce, no nothing on his baked chicken that tastes like straight up plywood. So he is chilling somewhere. Yeah. I got a question for you, Ed. When it comes to Thanksgiving leftovers, how many days are you able to keep the leftovers in your fridge before you throw them out? Because you can't keep eating them. Listen, player, I'm going to eat that mac and cheese until I can eat that mac and cheese. But unfortunately, speaking of fridges, that hits me hard because as of last night, our refrigerator died. And I am very upset because I got a box full of leftovers that I basically we drug out all of the coolers in the house and put the food in the coolers because we went and bought a fridge. But of course, it's going to take like a week for it to be delivered. So your boy is sitting here with no fridge for a week. The fridge is hotter than the outside. It is ridiculous. So all of my stuffing and dressing and mac and cheese and turkey is sitting in a cooler like I'm going to the beach in July. But I am going to eat my stuff plate. Dude, you've had a couple of rough weeks. So three weeks ago, you reviewed the Chris Brown album, 45 oh, Songs. Oh, gosh. The following week, that was the first week we missed our podcast. I think you like got sick because you listened yes. to the Chris Brown album and you were like dead for a week. Listen, player, I got listening to my cousin Chris literally made me sick. Right after that, I got the flu and I apologize now because my voice is still jacked up. For like two weeks, I've been struggling with this stuff. So your boy sounding a little Marge simpson a little rasp like Anthony Hamilton. That's what it is. So blame cousin Chris for that. So yeah, that was two weeks. That was two weeks of our podcast that we had to miss out on because you were sick. But hey, Ed, everything is good on my end. I am happy. Like I want to give a quick shout out to my ex. It was her birthday the other day, and let me tell you why I'm giving a quick shout out to her because please Ed, tell me why nothing, nothing can bring me down because I met Ashanti. I don't think we've even even touched on it yet, but ever since I met Ashanti, I'm like, you know what? Everyone deserves to be happy. Everyone. <laughs> Before we get into this, because our readers know the saga of you and Ashanti, please let us know this story. Because I know a little bit of it, but even I don't know the whole story. Where you met her and the rap cookie monster himself, Ja Rule. So let us know how that went down, because y'all, this is a mess. Alright, so before we get into the actual meeting, I want to at least let them know about the journey of me getting to Ashanti finally. Alright, so on my Facebook page, if you guys want to find me, I'm sure you guys can find me on Facebook, but my very first profile picture is a picture of me when I was in high school and I cropped a picture of Ashanti in there. Oh my god. the greatest thing ever. Ed, you need to go back and dig up my Facebook. I might actually post it on our Instagram. Oh my god. So that was my very, it was pretty bad. An, another monumental thing moment. I have ever heard, but, at, but another, very appropriate. Another monumental moment for me. Um, this was probably <laughs> about two years ago. Two years ago when I went to New York, um, we actually went to watch the Ja Rule and Ashanti concert and you know how Tom was not very satisfied with that concert and he was criticizing everything that was going on from Ashanti. <laughs> you don't say uh, Tom was a criticizing yeah. something. 
he 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 was and it continues but at that point in that trip in new york there's a restaurant i forget what it's called but there's a restaurant where famous celebrities stop by and they leave their handprint in the restaurant and they actually like frame it i guess they put their handprint in like clay and it's framed in the store so when you go into the restaurant you'll see all the famous people's handprints so we found that store and there was actually a handprint of ashanti so Two years ago, I took a picture with Ashanti's handprint, and that I thought <laughs> oh I thought God. that I thought that was the closest for me to meet Ashanti, and then it happened. I think it was about two weeks ago I finally met her. And before we get into the actual meeting, I want to break down the events that transpired before the meeting. So, Ed, have you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? I hear it's massive in the states. It is pretty massive here. If you go, you better go early because you're waiting at least two hours to get you your little bit of cheesecake and your overpriced meatloaf. Dude, I was looking at their menu. Everything is over a thousand calories in there. That's insane. Yes. It's the Cheesecake Factory, but it ain't Planet Fitness. (laughs) That was crazy. So then we finish at the Cheesecake Factory and then we get to the venue the promoter says that the show starts at 8 o'clock. So we get there around 7.30. Um, there was a massive line outside, which, go figure, it's Ashanti and Ja Rule. They're legends. Whatever you, I don't care what you say, Ed, but they're legends. <sighs> so we're waiting. We're waiting in line. We finally get inside the venue. It's probably 8.30 at that point. And they're probably going to show up at 9, or so I thought. They didn't actually get on stage until like 11 o'clock. And... I didn't realize how old I was getting, but standing for two hours, that, that does some damage to your hips and your knees. Play, your let back. me tell you, it, I went <laughs> to a show, I went to see um, a, some of our readers may know No Name. She is a um, up-and-coming hip-hop artist who has collaborated a lot with Chance the Rapper. So I saw her a couple weeks ago, and I asked my wife if she wanted to go. And she was like, no, sir, because the last rap concert we went to was a currency show, and we stood up for like five hours straight. And she was like, I am not built for these standing shows anymore. No. So welcome to old yep. age, player. You will feel it when you get home. That was pretty rough. And at that point, I think like a fight broke out like near the stage because people were just getting pissed. And oh then yeah, it was pretty bad. And then with a crowd full of pissed people, they were getting impatient. Ja Rule and Ashanti finally hit the stage at about 11, and Ed, nostalgia is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life, because once they hit the stage, everyone forgot that they had to wait like three hours for them to show up. (laughs) It was amazing. I guess always on time, we'll build bridges and be able to smooth over anything. Good lord. Mm -hmm. So they ran down their hits, and throughout the entire show, it's weird. And I'm not sure if you experienced this as well, but Tom has this weird, like, mutant ability to, like, say something and have it stick in your mind forever. So, flashback to two years ago when I went to watch Ashanti and Ja with Tom in New York. I just remember the entire time he was saying, why are they lip syncing? Why why do they sound so bad live? Why aren't they doing anything? <laughs> and as I'm watching this concert in Seattle, without Tom there, I can still hear him in my mind. So it's like that's going to be stuck with me forever. Well, Tom is the little evil. Yes, Tom is the devil on our shoulders, whispering nonsense in our ears. That I can relate to. Absolutely. So, as the concert goes by, I'm trying to think, what am I going to say to Ashanti? Because 
I have a chance to finally meet her. What am I going to say to her? Quite honestly, I was going to propose to her. That was the plan. Oh, so, my God. Bro, you, you have no idea. So we're lining up to meet and greet with her. And uh, I guess her manager or Jaws manager comes out and says, we got to make this quick. They got to catch a flight. So it's going to be one picture and you got to get out. So I'm like, what? So <laughs> suddenly my plan, my plan just went out the window. And um, when you're nervous, you're nervous, right? You, you, you don't think. So I'm lining up with a bunch of other people. It's, it's finally my turn to meet them. I go up to them and I turn to John. I'm just like, you know, I listened to your music growing up, which is true. I did. And Jaws, actually, if you get a chance to meet Ja Rule, he's probably one of the nicest celebrities that I've ever met. And Tom can actually say that yes. as well. He can vouch and for And I've him. heard that too. And then I, I turned to Shanti and I, dude, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. Oh, I think God. I muttered something like, uh, uh, Concrete Rose is a great album or something like that. It was pretty bad. <laughs> Oh my god! Be glad that <laughs> I was not there. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, so I got my picture with them. I thanked them, and then you'll love this moment, Ed. So um, you know that Ashanti's manager is her mom, right? Right, right, R- right, right. So in Ashanti's stan world, we like to call her mom the momager. I had no idea, but okay. And. Um, after I took the picture with Ashanti and Ja, I saw the momager. I went up to her. I'm like, momager, what's going on? I gave her a fist bump, and then I went about my way. That was probably the greatest moment of my life. What did momager do when you acknowledged her? Because I'm, I'm sure that a lot of fans don't know who this old lady is wandering around backstage. So, Oh, yeah. She gave me a fist bump, and she laughed, and she's just like, thank you for the support. I'm like, yeah, your, your daughter is awesome. <laughs> oh, please. Well, I am glad that you had this, your lifelong wish has been fulfilled. You hung out with Ja Rule and Ashanti and Ashanti's mama. Man, the only thing missing was Irv Gotti, but we'll get Irv next time. Oh my gosh, the only thing missing is Irv Gotti and witness protection. We don't need Irv Gotti. All right, all right. But, Ed, did you hear about Ashanti recently? I think it was on TMZ or one of those websites. Um, She was... Doing her performance, I think it was in Hawaii, she was giving her fans a lap dance, or one of her fans a lap dance, and then someone from the crowd just started throwing money on the stage? Yes, I heard about this foolishness. I thought it was you. It was, man, it was not me. But she stopped the whole show, and she was like, hold on, I'm not a stripper. Don't be throwing that money. (laughs) I was like, damn, Ashanti. But the ironic thing is, if you look at the back where they're playing like a video clip in the back of that performance, it's actually in a, it's like set it in a strip club and there's money throwing everywhere. What? So I you mean, they were just following watch. along with the set if that's the case. That's how I feel too. <laughs> I'm sure that's how you feel. Player just wants to wants his lap dance. Because Ashanti, Ed, on to more good news about Ashanti. She recently dropped her new sing- new single. Produced by DJ Mustard and Ty Dolla Sign. What is the single called? It's called Pay Less. What? Yes, Pay Less. Say Less. Pay Less, like the cheap shoes. Ah, oh, come on. Well, what do you think of this song, Say Less? Uh, it's not, it's... I mean, you kind of just said it all. It's produced by DJ Mustard, so... Do you pretty much know what you're getting with a DJ Mustard song? I will say that it's a different sound for her, 
and it kind of works in that sense, in that she doesn't sound so much like... We get very frustrated here on the podcast when a lot of established artists do their best to sound like the hot, trendy youngins. And for some reason, she adapts to this sound pretty well. But at the end of the day, it's just a DJ Mustard song with Ty Dolla Sign whining in the background. So it's not bad, but I don't know if it's something I want to revisit. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And Ed, I'm not going to call you out for that post you made on your website about the single because I saw what you said about me and my draws and listen. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yes, Lord. I it hope you be- got a fresh pair. Man, it may or may not be true. I'm not going to confirm that. But what I will say <laughs> about this single is um, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not great. It's not anything that I'll probably listen to again, but... The one weird thing, and it just kind of shows how fast the music industry is going right now, is that that song sounds dated. Like a DJ Mustard beat sounds dated nowadays, and he was hot like a year ago. Yeah, it's crazy. A year ago, like that was this prevailing sound. And now that trap is so infested our ears, to hear DJ Mustard song sounds like, oh, that's kind of 2015-ish. What are you doing? But again, I thought this track was okay. If it came on my radio while I was driving around, I wouldn't necessarily turn the channel or jump out of a moving car. But, eh, it's alright. I gotta ask you though, Ed, because Ashanti's Instagram, which we've talked about before, it is definitely Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, now that we can agree on. Do you think that and I'm trying to phrase this the right way. Do you think the amount of likes that she's getting on Instagram with those photos, do you think that will somehow translate into album sales success at all or no? Please, absolutely not. Unfortunately, most of the people that are Insta-thirsting Ashanti aren't really checking for new music. They're checking for new nudes. So... I don't think that that will translate into sales directly. The only good thing about that is that she can use that platform to say, hey guys, stop staring at my butt long enough to see that I've got new music on the way. So that can help her appeal to a wider audience in that sense. But I really don't think that most of that audience is there for the music. They're there for the panty lines. Right. It is interesting, though, because her career has never really gone into that urban AC market, and I don't think that's the lane for her anyway. I mean, we always talk about where artists fit in. I think she's one of those artists, even though she is in the same age bracket as some artists who are trying to transition into urban AC, she still might have a little bit of wiggle room in the urban market with the turn-up stuff. Oh, I definitely agree. And that's why I think that she adapted a little well, a little better than I expected on the DJ Mustard cut. She can adapt and adjust, but I don't know if the audience is there outside of the thirst trap. So, I don't know. Well, we shall see. But I got to meet Ashanti. Everyone listening, you guys got to just do whatever makes you happy. Because (laughs) meeting Ashanti... This is the greatest moment of my life, and I will talk about it for many, many podcasts to come. Oh, and we cannot wait to hear this story again and again and again. Tell me about it, Ed. Um, but let's get into some other new music that um, came out recently. This one we're actually lagging a little behind on. We 
touched on it briefly three weeks ago, but that's Layla Hathaway's Honestly album. And can I say before we get started that that album cover is the most R&B thing I've ever seen. And by R&B, I mean real and bad. And bad meaning good. Meaning good. I was going to say it better be bad meaning good because that is one of my favorite (laughs) covers of the year for SNES video game head like me to see that little sprite there. Player that was so great. And I really love the album, and I think that cover is quite intentional because a lot of the songs that were featured there, the music is very video game inspired as far as the production. Not necessarily the lyrics, but any of the fans of kind of like that early 90s video game production sound. And it sounds weird to kind of compare an artist whose voice is as rich and as established and traditional in some ways. As Layla, comparing it to a video game sounds ridiculous. But trust me, you hear this production with her vocals over it, it really works. It's really one of my favorite R&B albums of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I'm not going to lie, though. When I saw that album cover, I didn't know what to expect on there. Because, as you know, Chris Brown dropped Heartbreak on a Full Moon, which was a moon with a heart on it. And I thought it was going to be an album full of heartbreak songs, but there weren't really a lot of those. So when I saw this Layla Hathaway album, I'm like, is this going to be video game inspired or or is this just like a cool picture that she used? Yeah, and I think that it was a little of both. I think this was a way for her to kind of dive into that a little bit for us nostalgic old school video game heads, give us gamers a little love, and use a little bit of that in her production to kind of give her a fresher sound. And it worked. It's kind of what... This album is what I had hoped Lettucey's album would be. In that it's the sound that you're used to, but the production is a little different and a little edgier. And it works comparing the two. Lettucey, like did that on her singles, but then on the album kind of went business as usual. And I think Lettucey kind of pushed the envelope and had that going all the way through the album. So I enjoyed it. And then, wait, quickly, did you get a chance to check out Boys to Men, new al- uh, their new album when it came out a couple of weeks ago? I have not. I totally forgot about that until you just mentioned it. That's around the time yeah, I was see. on my deathbed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a chance to listen to it either. I think there are a couple of original songs on there. So somebody on this that's listening to this podcast, definitely let us know if it's worth checking out. I mean, we'll definitely check it out down the road, but... I'm curious if it's something that we really missed out on because that Collide album, I don't think anyone liked that album. Oh, Lord have mercy. Let's not speak on that one. But yeah, I think that Boy This the Man is another one of those legacy artists that whenever they come out with something, fans are going to automatically check it out. We're at the end of the year, so that means I'm getting into the pitch where I'm kind of revisiting some of the holes that I missed. So that'll definitely be on the list. And it can only go up from Collide. That's all I'm saying. I hope so. Um, some more group projects that came out. Day 26 is finally back. Four Shots is the new single. Ed, I know you're so in stereo cipher, that Facebook page that you had going on. Mm-hmm. They were really going in on this song. Yeah, that my shout out to the Soul and Stereo Cipher. I love my crew. If you aren't in there and you're on Facebook, make sure you go to Soul and Stereo Cipher in the little search bar and join us so we can chat about R&B and hip-hop. But... I have not heard the song yet, but the Cypher followers ain't feeling it, so I don't know. 
I mean, it's really interesting because I feel like their debut album was actually a very solid album. Um, I, I know one of your Cypher members had said the same thing. And their second album had some pretty decent joints on there as well. So now that they're independent without that bad boy backing and with all without those resources that they had at hand, it's going to be interesting to see how they can craft their own sound without the aid of Diddy. Yeah, and it's interesting, and I'll say this as a caveat, because shout out to, I know Brian Angel and a lot of the crew are very big friends and fans of the podcast and what we do, but just being real, as far as a group effort, they've yet to put out that project that I have loved. Like, I like the concept of Day 26, I've liked some of their songs okay, but there's yet to be like a Room 112 or a J.E. Heartbreak or a... Even like an Enter the Drew. Like there hasn't been something that just really grabbed me. And they have the potential to do that. And even their first album, which a lot of people love. I don't know. It's like a lot of people loved it because they filled a gap that wasn't there. This was around the time where R&B really started missing its male groups. And they came in and filled that gap. But again, it was stuff that I liked but didn't love. So this is an opportunity here for them to come in, drop something because the playing field is wide open really without I mean Jay Jay's still around kind of sort of we saw 112's come back but there's still plenty of room for a group to come in and dominate so it's on them yeah it's weird like realistically speaking I don't know how many R&B fans really remember any of Day 26 songs like like hits um, they had a couple of songs on radios but I don't think anything really ever caught on to the level of like the 112s and the jagged edges of the world. No, not at all. And also around that time, if I'm getting my timeline correct, this is around the time of Neo taking off and things like that. So they yep. were kind of always second fiddle to those artists. So again, <clears throat> the the field is wider now. So this is a better opportunity for them to get out there and do their thing. Right. Um, and then Drew Hill, Ed. We all love Drew Hill. They dropped the Christmas album, Out of the Blue, Christmas in Baltimore. I heard it's really good, actually. Listen, player, shout out to our boy Daniel, who is on Twitter, who is a book fan of both sites. And he was like, you know, I think that this is one of the better albums, R&B albums of the year. A Christmas album from Drew Hill. So I'm like, you know me, I'm like, let me see about this. I checked it out and player, the album is very solid. And here's the thing. I am big into Christmas music. I'm big into Christmas music from R&B artists. I do not like remakes. If I want to hear this Christmas, I want to hear Donny Hathaway. Not anybody else singing it. If I want to hear Silent Night, I want to hear The Temptations. Not anybody else singing it. Because it just comes off as a cheap imitation. So what they did on this album, there's only one. that They did remake Silent Night. But everything else is original songs, and it works so well. It sounds better than the last Drew Hill album. Well, I mean, that's not really that hard to accomplish. That last Drew Hill album Oh, good lord, player. (laughs) Give him a little bit of credit. But again, it just really surprised me because it was kind of the vintage Drew Hill sound. Now, they did have one turn-up track. There was one... Trap trap they could have kept. I don't want to be trapping for Christmas. But other than that, it was a very solid outing. I might have to put this in my Christmas collection. Wow. 
I also heard that um, Shantae Moore's Christmas album is pretty good too. That one I heard too, and again I haven't. I've heard the single. She's got a single, and I did like the single, but I haven't heard the album in full. Again, I'm just kind of iffy on Christmas albums because I have my Christmas albums I like. I got my Patti LaBelle. I got my Temptations. I got my my. Oh, of course I got my Keith Sweat. Don't trip. And I've got my Boys to Men. But other than that, nah, not really feeling it when other people try to remake classics. But sometimes it works. Uh, let me get this. Let me get this straight. You're not going to put Mariah Carey on your Christmas playlist. That song. That- oh. Pl- that man, that uh, song is huge every year. I am talking about a song I wish I would never hear again. It's not a bad song. I know somebody's gonna yell at me. I love the song, but oh my gosh, I'm just so sick of it. Even if I don't have to hear it once a year. Right. <laughs> um, some more new music for everyone. Miguel has <laughs> dropped a couple of new singles to prepare for his new album, which I believe comes out next week. Man, yep. when we posted that Pineapple Skies song, everyone went nuts. It came out of nowhere. Like, we didn't expect it, but we got, like, 30 retweets on it. Where Jeez. did this hype come from? I don't know, but I think artists, and we've talked about this before, I think fans are hungry, and they think that Miguel is one of those artists who can deliver and do it in a way where it's fresh but true to the R&B sound that they love. Pineapple Skies, I thought was okay. I didn't get, like, the extreme hype around it. There was another song that came out before that that I liked a little bit more. That was that Prince-driven song, right? It sounded, it sounded yeah, like a Prince song. That song I liked a little bit more. It felt a little bit more wild hardish, which I know some people were kind of hit or miss on. But I liked that one a little bit more than um, Pineapple Skies. But again, that was a fine song, too. I'm looking forward to the album, and it drops in a few days. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about the release of this album. Miguel, who... It seems like his window has closed for him to really break into superstardom. I think when Adorn came out and during that era, I thought he had a shot. Wild Heart, which we both like, it kind of, it felt like it didn't get the attention that it deserved or people just didn't understand it. But it seems like it might be too late now. Um, I hate to say it's too late, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Because off of the success of Kaleidoscope Dream, like, we thought that was it. Like, that was, like, people were saying this was going to be his confessions. This is going to be the one that launches him. And when he came with Wild Heart, it was such a right turn that a lot of people, and to this day, it gets a lot of hate online. Because I think people just didn't expect it. And it's not that it's a bad album, but it wasn't the album people were looking for. Kind of the same way about Luke James's debut album. It wasn't the album. It sounded nothing like anything he put out before. So people were like, what is this? Not that it's bad, but it wasn't what people wanted. So I think that because of that, and then after that, he kind of did his disappearing act. I do understand and feel that it's not a sure shot for him to kind of dominate R&B right now. But I won't say that it's totally closed. If he comes out of nowhere and this album is fantastic, I think he still has a shot. Yeah, I, that Skywalker song is, is a guilty pleasure of mine. I listen to that from time to time, even with Travis Scott's horrible auto-tune. It's a pretty good song. Yeah, uh, I can't stand Travis Scott's part. But the actual song is pretty good. And some of the other tracks he's released have been quite memorable. So, again, the potential is there. Yep. 
Now, we have another album that came out recently. We haven't really talked about it too much, but I feel like it is necessary, being that this is an R&B podcast, that we talk about T-Pain's new album. Ed? (laughs) Now, T-Pain, of course, no stranger to the podcast. Um, He is Mr. Autotune. He's been gone for a minute, but he's back to, quote-unquote, reclaim his spot. Um, Oh, my God. Seems like... Seems like people have taken a sound and it's turned into what it is today. But Ed, I have let me say this. As I think about it now, can we really be mad at T Pain for bringing auto tune to music? Because I feel like the impact and, and, and the influence is definitely it was detrimental to the genre, but can you really be mad at T Pain for that or are you mad at the imitators for taking that sound? I'm mad at T-Pain, I'm mad at the innovators, I'm mad at everybody. Hold on a minute, now, let me grab my pedestal and get up here. My Probably my voice is going to go out because I'm about to go off, Kyle. You know how I do. <laughs> so this is my issue with T-Pain. And a lot of people, a lot of my followers didn't know my disdain for T-Pain because his kind of peak period was like maybe 08, 09, which was kind of soul and stereo in his infancy. So a lot of like the old head readers knew my disgust for dude. But my kind of newer readers were like, hey, I like T-Pain. Why do you hate him? Well, I'm going to tell you why I hate him. Number one, number, first we have to realize T-Pain by no means invented the auto-tune. He by no means invented the talk box. That thing has been around for generations. He was just the first one in his generation to kind of introduce it full bore. And again, as a tool to make a song better or to make a song different, it's cool. I don't mind it. But what happened was we have an artist who, by all means, and yes, before you go on my mentions, I know he can sing. I've heard him sing a hundred times. I knew he could sing before he was doing this stuff. But the thing is this. He used it as a gimmick to kind of take the easy road. He's like, okay, I can do this. I can dress like a ringmaster and look like an idiot and make goofy songs and make lazy vocals from this thing. And because of that, he's used that tool. And then we had the Kanye's and the Lil Wayne's and the Jim Joneses and everybody else who decided to do the thing. So I blame him because when that became prevalent, for some reason... When rappers started using it to pretend to sing, people conflated that with actual R&B, which is what it wasn't. It was just a rapper pretending to sing. And that muddied the waters, and it muddied the line between R&B and hip-hop, and got a whole lot of stuff confused, and we're still dealing with the ramifications of that today. That's why we're up here talking about people who are barely rapping, we're calling them R&B singers because they got two tracks up there where they're pretending to sing. That's not R&B, homie. That's a rapper pretending to sing. And because of T-Pain, those lines have been blurred and we don't understand what R&B is. R&B lost its way because of T-Pain. Woo! That's rough. But you're telling me in 2005 you were not in love with a stripper? I was never in love with a stripper. I was never sprung. No bartenders for you, Ed? Never. Wow. Uh, I remember listening to his first... Well, first and foremost, I it's weird. I never actually got into Akon or T-Pain. 
And that is – that's part of my generation. But for some reason, I never got into it. Maybe partially because vocally they just weren't that great. But I remember listening to T-Pain's debut album. And there are actually a handful of songs where there is no auto-tune. But no one ever paid attention to those songs. Right. Because he is not a bad vocalist. And the thing is, he relied on the auto-tune to get him to use it as a gimmick. It was just a crutch. It was a way to be different. And I'm not mad at it per se. But when you build your whole image and catalog around a gimmick and then you tell all your rapper friends hey we're gonna do this i remember the story coming up with puff was like i'm gonna do an entirely auto-tune album and i'm gonna pay t-pain because it was his it was i got the idea from him i thankfully this didn't happen but he's like oh i can sing now and that's what has happened and it's destroyed most of r&b sorry it is t-pain to have a lot to do with that Ed, Diddy's been thinking he could sing since Jealous, guys. I don't think it's T-Pain's fault for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That song, you know what? Tom hates that song. and it's, I mean, the singing is awful on it, but if you just listen to it as a vibe and just, I mean, 112 is on it, it's actually not that bad of a song. I mean, it's fine for what it is. You got, it's you more nostalgic than anything, player. Yes, it's just nostalgia. And I mean, I won't hate on it for that. But when we are actually talking about our favorite R&B singers, and we got Kanye and Puffy on the list, then that's a problem. And that's what T-Pain yeah. did. Yeah. Um, let's talk, talk about some recent news, um, because it's been a minute since we've really talked R&B. But Escape, they, they're back on tour. They're on tour with Tamar and Monica right now. And Ed, I got to say, I am very impressed. And I'm saying this, you know, despite the fact that I haven't heard any of the music yet, but I am so impressed with their rollout for their comeback. I think they were on Good Morning America a couple of days ago. Now they're headlining uh, an arena tour. And it seems like everything is going right for them. Yes. I mean, they'll be here in Birmingham. Um, Actually, they were, my fault, they were here a couple weeks ago. Again, when I was... Down with the flu, the Chris Brown Enza, I should call it. But they were here and apparently did very well. They've got the reality show popping. They are really using this time as wisely as possible. They are rolling it out well. They're using social media expertly. They're doing a concert that tailors specifically to their old fans that they miss. They are doing it right. They're really the blueprint for getting back on the map. Now let's compare that to TLC who made their comeback. Was it earlier this year? It's it's night and day. It's, it's crazy. Oh my lord. It's crazy that they just had their first album in decades. So highly celebrated. First album since 2000 and freaking 2 in 2017. And we've already forgotten about it. That was just this summer. That wasn't six months ago. That, that was six months ago. But, I mean, it's interesting because in the grand scheme of things, Tiny and Candy have been able to stay more relevant than T-Boz and, and Chili. And a lot of that is due to a lot of that is due right. to reality show and garbage like that. But the point is, even beyond that, they have pushed it because that's kind of my issue with the Cardi B's and the, even the K-Michelle. Well, not K-Michelle so much anymore. But early Tamar and early K-Michelle is that a lot of time they rely so much on that 
and not enough on the musical output. But they have done a good job of just putting using that to push their music. So, yeah, you love us on TV, but hey, come spend money on us at a concert. So it's not just all memes and jokes and gifts, and then you got one little crap song out. They're doing it like you should be doing it. And I think the most important thing is that the members of Escape can still sing. Yes. Tasha can still sing. And that, I think, is a huge added bonus to this comeback because, I mean, when we look at TLC, who, of course, they weren't necessarily known as singers back in the day anyway. They were more so performers, but... With Escape, all four of them can still sing, although I've seen a lot of hate for Candy on social media. But leave Candy alone. She's a hell of a songwriter. Yeah, she's a great songwriter. And I'll be honest, I was never the biggest Candy fan, even going all the way back to the early 90s. So I can't say much on that realm. But I will say that the ones who do carry the vocals, especially Natasha, one of the best voices of my generation of R&B, she's still doing the thing, player. So they're going to be coming to a city near you with Tamar and Monica. That seems like it would be a fun tour. Oh, man, I would be all over it if I was healthy. I'm mad I missed it. <laughs> well, Ed, you're not the only one that was going through some tough times. Tyrese. Can we talk oh, about Tyrese? Oh, no. Oh, Tyrese, player. Oh. Well, I mean, he he's finally back on track. He has his daughter back. But leading up to that, it was probably the most bizarre, the saddest it was just pretty bad. He had a meltdown on social media where he was crying. Did you get to watch that video? Unfortunately, if you have not watched the video, that means you haven't been on Facebook or Twitter for the past two weeks because that thing is the meme. It's like the new Crying Jordan. It's R&B's Crying Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> and then it finally reached this peak when he tweeted out or posted on Instagram that Will Smith had come to rescue him, loaned him like $5 million, and everything was going to be okay. And then there was a report that came out from Will Smith that said, I never gave him any money. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of this whole fiasco. They threw Will Smith in this. And Will was like, I didn't need you no money, fool. Oh, man. But luckily Tyrese and his ex-wife have settled their differences, and he will get his daughter back, so... I mean, that's good that, you know, family comes first. So good on Tyrese. But you need to keep that outside of social media. That was pretty bad. It is pretty bad, but I have no sympathy, player. This just, it just goes got- to show you, y'all can't believe everything that's in these tweets. The, your favorite celebrities lie just as bad as y'all do. Yep. And Tyrese is definitely guilty of that. Um, yes. But Black Rose will be coming soon, so look forward. I look forward oh, to hearing God. that one. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't know. To keep Black Tide the, at the house, please. Yep. So um, some more news. This one is kind of interesting for the reason that, uh, well, first off, Mariah Carey is now with new management. It feels like she changes managers like every other year. So she had Jermaine Dupri for about an album, fired Jermaine, uh, fired JD, and then brought on, I think her name is Stella. And what Stella did was she really tried to make Mariah relevant in today's social media world by putting her on that reality TV show, Mariah's World, which really Mm -hmm. didn't do too good for her. Um, And then along with that, there was the New Year's Eve Eve fiasco on, on, on the show, 
where she was caught lip syncing. But I mean, it kept her name in the headlines. She was able to go on tour with Lionel Richie, and I think it's kept Mariah's name afloat. But she's decided to cut ties with Stella, and now she is with Rock Nation, which, of course, Jay Z is involved with that as well as the whole Rockefeller crew. Is this a good move for Mariah? I think it is. Um, a lot of people who are going to Rock Nation, even if I don't know, it's weird because we're still trained to think of kind of the way it's artist signs to a label, kind of like it was in the 90s when, oh, you sign, and then like six months later, you come out with an album, and whoever you sign with does a co-sign and does a guest rap spot. A lot of times with the Rock Nation signings, it isn't like that, and it's a lot of touring and a lot of things like that. So I think if this is a way for her to get her name out there under a umbrella that she trusts, this professional and not going to be too gimmicky. I think that Rock Nation is the way to go. And if she wants to put out another project, I'm sure they'll support that as well. So I'm not well, mad at the move. It's here's the thing, Ed, and um, I mean this goes for a lot of artists. Some of them need to be in the headlines with the drama to stay relevant. So my question is, if Mariah keeps her name out of the headlines, just continues to sing well. And there's no problems with her live show. And she puts out an album. It's not going to get the attention, I don't think. No one's going to be like Mariah's voice is back. Like, that doesn't happen in 2017. Unfortunately, it doesn't. We just talked about Cardi B and that she's the blueprint. Like, that's how you do it. You get in there by promoting yourself on social media. A lot of times, making a lot of noise and being goofy. Once you get out there, then you promote the product. After you have generated a fan base behind you. It's all about creating an audience before you even have music. And let me show you the perfect example of that. So we talked about Cousin Chris's trash album earlier, right? So ever since my review, I've been having a lot of Team Breezy stands all up in my mentions. And one in particular was like, Oh, your review doesn't matter. Your reviews mean nothing because Cream Breezy is going to buy it regardless. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, homie, I'm just here to tell you if it's good or bad. You can buy what you want. So the week later, the numbers came out and Breezy did what he did. I think he like went gold or something like that. So yep. guess who's back in my mentions? My man is back in my mentions. See, I told you, your review means nothing. It doesn't matter. Player, this is what he said. It doesn't matter. If the songs are good, we going to support who we support. Player, when the fans of the artist's music says it doesn't matter if the music is good, we going to ride for who we going to ride for, that's the mentality of 2017. We have fans that just want to support their artists blindly, regardless. And that's why, first of all, that's why Trump is in office, but I'll get on that another time. But that is why in 2017, we're kind of messed up here. And it's about creating a persona and a conversation and a fan base before the music. So if Mariah goes on social media, acts a fool, goes at ballistic, and gets all of her, what she call her people? The Mimis, the lambs? The, what lamb, the lambs. Okay. Once she gets all the lambs all riled up, then it doesn't matter. She could put out a 74-track album that's horrible and impossible to listen to, but they will buy it because Mama Lamb told us to. 
And right. it's crazy to me, but that's where we are with this. So I understand your point definitely. That's why social media, unfortunately, has become such a big factor. We don't have one on Citizen Park anymore, so we got to act a fool on Instagram. That's how we promote. It's sad, but it's true. Well, I remember seeing another tweet um, from one of Team Breezy. They said something like, uh, your review just sounds like a lot of hate. But I agree with a lot of your points. <laughs> oh my, the player, player. Your reviews are not a hate, but I agree with your points. You agree that the album is not great, but it's a bunch of hate. I can't, I can't deal with y'all. This is why I'm sick. That is why I have the flu for two weeks, player. They have wow. destroyed my antibodies. Well, Ed, let me ask you this, because as we're talking about social media and the craziness with that, how come, or is it possible that someone someone can market Mariah like they do Sam Smith or Adele? Because Sam Smith and Adele are just marketed for their voice. It's always the comeback of the voice, the amazing singer. Why can't Mariah be that? I mean, of course, her vocals aren't what they used to be, but it goes beyond that. I think Mariah still caters to the pop demographic her her audience is not just strictly urban she still has those pop fans that like her so why can't or how come it's not possible for her to be marketed like that i mean it was like that for the emancipation album they marketed her as you know the return of the voice but it doesn't seem to work like that for mariah anymore is it because of all those slip-ups that she's had over the years no it's a it's it's a lot of layers to this first of all it's kind of unfair to compare it to Emancipation because that was 2005. And even though yep. to us that's not that long ago, player, that was a long time ago in music realm. Secondly, when you talk about Adele and Sam Smith, even though Mariah is kind of marketed as a pop artist, because she's always been pop. She first came on the scene almost as pop. But because she has had so such deep ties to R&B, even if you're marketed as pop, she still has, I don't want to say the stink of R&B because that's unfair, but she still has like the aura of R&B on her. So even if she is marketed straight to pop, it's still going to feel like Mariah from the girl who worked with ODB, the girl who worked with Puffy, the girl who worked with JD. Take that with a Sam Smith and Adele who are very soulful pop artists. I mean, make no mistake, they make R&B, straight-up R&B songs all the time. But they are marketed solely as pop singers. I listened to Kelly Clarkson's album a few weeks ago. Because as a fat one of our um, Soul, and Self, Self, Soul and Stereo Cypher fans told me to listen to it. And it was pretty decent. And again, there were a lot of R&B songs on it. But you wouldn't have known because it was strictly marketed toward a pop audience because as we talked about before right now R&B ain't hot in the building Mariah might have originally been pop but she's been so closely tied to R&B that even if they tried to switch it and make her pop she's still going to be that R&B is still going to be on her and the Sam Smiths and the Adele's and the Kelly Clarkson's they don't have that kind of chain to them they don't have handcuffs it's sad that being associated with R&B right now is a detriment, but it kind of is. And I think that's why they can get away with it a little bit better, even though they're making albums that sound no different than Jasmine Sullivan's album a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. It's it's sad where we're at with R&B and 
you know, just no one is having success with it. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Beyonce is having the mainstream success that she's had in the past with the release of Lemonade. Like nothing really stuck at pop radio. So, but luckily no. Beyonce's been able to brand herself beyond just radio. But I mean, mainstream's not really checking for R and B like that. Again, look back to what we were just talking about. People are going to support Beyonce because Beyonce. They aren't supporting it because the music. Even when the music is good, and that album was good. I know you have your thoughts about it. But I liked the album a lot. I thought it was one of the probably top ten last year. Not the best at all, but top ten. But, again, people are going to support because Beyonce and not because the music is good. And it's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. Even for someone who would probably murder in the name of Keith Sweat. If Keith dropped a whack album, I'm going to say Keith dropped a whack album. Because to me, the music comes before the personality. I'm only as good as my last piece that I wrote for Soul and Stereo. I know y'all love me, but if I started writing a bunch of garbage, y'all would turn away from the site. And I can't blame you. Because you have to be as good as your output. But we don't really care about that anymore. It is weird to this old man. Yeah. Now, did you hear what Stephanie Mills said recently? I did. And I didn't what did disagree. You think of that? I didn't disagree. Um, I wish I could quote. Do you remember exactly what she said? Because I don't want to misquote. Something like, uh, they want R&B, but they don't want it from us. Yeah, it was, this was part of, was it a Wendy Williams quote? Maybe not, but The View. It was on. She was on some show, and there was a quote out there, and she was like, they want R&B, and they don't, but they don't want it from us. That is the perfect way to put this. Because R&B music, the music is not bad. The music is good. That is why the music can get co-opted by a Kelly Clarkson or, or Bruno, as much as I love Bruno, or a Sam Smith or an Adele. And they can take the exact same music, package it differently, just throw a pop label on it, and say, oh, this is cool and innovative. No, player, this is the same stuff Monica and them did. You just weren't paying attention to their albums. And then we get R&B. The new brand of R&B is just auto-tune and your favorite rapper trying to sing and then that becomes R&B which isn't R&B at all or weird Rihanna record which he's half rapping that's not R&B at all so the lines are just all blurred and destroyed but what she's saying is right the music is good they just don't want the music from R&B artists because R&B artists are for some reason I don't say blackball but it's a dirty word right now Plus, I just want to go back and blame T-Pain for all of this because T-Pain is all your fault. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, It is cool, though, when some of these pop artists who are embracing that R&B sound acknowledge the the R&B in the urban community. Like, I know Jessie J, she's going to be performing at the Soul Train Awards. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. we all know Jessie J can sing, but, like, that's kind of cool that she's starting to make some R&B records and she's acknowledging it. She's embracing it. That's cool. And it's and we forget about that sometimes. We forget that Pink started out her first album with an R and B record. We forget yep. that like an artist like JoJo, like originally, like she kinda like fluctuated back and forth before she settled on R and B. That's why I get frustrated when some fans box out artists into boxes and say, Oh, that's a that's a pop artist. Oh, that's an R and B artist. Play it, they can do whatever they want. What I want is for the the health of the genre to be like this is an R&B song 
celebrate it. Don't pretend that it's a pop song just so we can get it on better stations. It's just a political game that I don't like. Yep. And Ed, not to sound rude or whatever, but with Tom not being here, that means we can actually talk about some of the new artists in R&B that might yes. be labeled as alternative <laughs> R&B, right? Yes, now that Tom isn't here to, to crap all over it. Let's talk about right. what these youngins doing. So I just want to quickly share a couple of shows that I've been to recently, and maybe we can draw a little bit of a discussion on it. I know we're almost at an hour, and I mean, I know it's been a minute, but still, I know you listeners have stuff to do. You're not just going to sit here and listen to us talk all day. And this well, might be a good should, time. They should, if they know what's good for them. And hey, this might be the time that you guys pause the podcast and move on with your life, because we're going to talk about some new stuff, and some of you guys <laughs> might not have listened to it yet. Uh, but this might be an opportunity for you to get familiar with it. So um, I went to a couple of shows, Ed. I went to Daniel Caesar, a.k.a. Julius Caesar. Oh, God. I don't get him started. I went to Sid from the Internet. Yep. Um, I haven't – I didn't actually go to the show, but I know a handful of people that did, uh, which is SZA. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is as we talk about – you know, the discussion earlier about they want R&B, but they don't want it from us. These three artists are, I guess, quote-unquote R&B artists, but performance-wise, they're targeting another audience. I think just the style and how they're performing, it's different. It's not like we're s- sitting on stage watching Tyree's belt-out notes like no other. Like I was watching Sid, and it was like the most laid-back, vibey show ever. And I guess that's... What the urban community is being fed now? I think it is. I mean, I think that one thing that I argue with Tom about all the time is that music evolves. And we can't expect music to be presented in the way that it was presented in 95 or 2005. Because as the generation, as the decades move on and generations evolve, it's going to be presented differently. Ten years from now, the fans of her and SZA are going to be pissed when Little Poopy Pants and whoever gets on stage and does their version of R&B, and it sounds nothing like the R&B they fell in love with. Doesn't mean that it isn't R&B, just a different presentation. So, as long as the music is pure, I'm okay with it. But I did see clips of, I think it was Sid's show. And it was kind of like, huh, this ain't an R&B show I've ever been to. But the music, I'm a fan of her album, and the music is R&B. It's just the presentation's a little different. Now, with SZA, she's the one artist that has really been able to, you know, have some success on urban radio with, I guess, R&B songs. I I, I mean, they are R&B songs. The Weeknd is an R&B song. As an R&B fan, like we have been for many, many, many years, and for all the listeners that have been checking out SZA's success, should we be celebrating SZA's success as a win for the genre of R&B? Because it is different than what we grew up listening to. It's still classified as R&B, but it, it's, it's different than what we grew up on. Like, is that a success for R&B, or should we be more so celebrating the Bruno Mars of the world who are putting out traditional R&B? That is a very good question, and it's a difficult question, and I'll tell you why. Because, And I'm not so sure about Scissors in on this, but there are a lot of artists 
who are putting out kind of the alt R&B that I think is the direction R&B should be going to evolve. And a lot of those artists are not claiming R&B. They are pushing away from R&B for many of the reasons we talked about already today, about it being a dirty word. So I celebrate her success because I want to look at the charts and hear a song that is actually sung and not one that is rapped or one that is auto-tuned. So I celebrate it, but I say that with the caveat as I only celebrate it if she pushes it as R&B. And I haven't really sat down and heard a lot of interviews with her to see how she categorizes her music. But if she's an artist that's like, oh, you know, I'm not R&B, I'm... You know, I'm just whatever. That's fine if that's how she wants to categorize herself. But if she is pushing away from the R&B turn, then I'm not going to celebrate it. I celebrate Bruno because Bruno was like, I'm making R&B songs because I love this genre and I love it. I'm a pop artist, yeah, but I'm making R&B music because it's hot and I love it and I do it well. That I will celebrate all day because it might be from a different person than we expect, but it's done so well. And he is, again, uplifting the culture. If SZA's not doing that, I celebrate her music, but I won't celebrate it in the in the vein of I'm celebrating R&B. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really checked out a lot of SZA interviews either. Um, I know one artist that actually claims R&B is her, so she's doing her thing, too. So, I mean, yep. it's just interesting to see how this new generation is going to take this success and whether they're going to claim R&B because I think that's needed too. I'm tired of going to the gym or just going on the streets and having people say, yeah, Future's album is really good, especially the R&B parts of it. And I'm like, what R&B? Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that, that, that is what's driving me nuts, player. That is not R&B. That, the equivalent is saying, for my Biggie fans, if you remember the song on Biggie's second album called Player Hater, where he's half... He's like drunk, half singing a song. He's singing an R&B song. That is not R&B. Like, that's just Biggie being drunk. But it's still an entertaining song because it's Biggie. But we have somehow classified that as its own genre of R&B. Drunk Biggie singing is now a branch of R&B. That ain't right, player. Let's celebrate the actual R&B songs that are out there. And they are out there. R&B is SZA's album. Now, I don't know if she calls it that, but that's what I call it. So, therefore, that deserves praise. Yep. Um, And then one last topic I want to get into, um, because I did catch Sid. I have a question for you. Do you think it was too early for Sid to break away? I mean, the internet is still a group, and they're going to continue making music. I think they finished up on their project already. But do you think it was too early for them to start doing solo projects? Because I felt like... The internet was really building on something big there, and they're another group. They started moving towards that uh, urban AC market, and I think they kind of found their their place in that. But here Sid is doing more of that, I guess, alternative R&B. I mean, it's it has reminiscence of um, 90s R&B, but I would classify it as um, alternative. Do you think it was a little too early for her to break away? I selfishly I think it was too early but from a marketing and a business standpoint I understand why it was not because they were big and of all the artists in that group she is the one that has the most potential to be kind of that artist that will be embraced by hip hop audiences because she's so tied into that whereas kind of the group itself as you talked about was moving away a little bit into kind of more urban AC-ish 
So I think that hip hop would definitely be able to want to be the one to embrace it. So I can see from a business standpoint why it would be time for her to do that. But from a standpoint of being a fan and appreciating the music, I think it was way too early. I thought they could at least do at least a couple more albums before they decided to break away. And of course you can always go back, but it always feels weird when the artist goes solo and goes back. It's just weird. I don't know why. It just feels like something kind of like the chemistry got knocked off or something a little bit. So I think it was a little premature, but from a business standpoint, I see why they did it. Yeah, well, hopefully the internet does come back and puts out another album. I definitely am more of a fan of their music than Sid's solo stuff. And I think I can say the same thing about Destiny's Child's music over Beyonce's, but hey. Well, that one of those ain't happening. I'll let you guess which one of those ain't happening. You don't think Kelly, Michelle, and Beyonce are getting back together? Play please. You can believe those lies if you want to. Beyonce is good. She ain't worrying about them. All right, all right. Um, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Oh, player, player, player. Now, it's, it's gone so long since we've had a podcast that I feel like I don't even know where to start with updates. So as many of you know, as we talked about on the last podcast, this month we were embarking on the Blog Like Crazy campaign, which meant every single day we had a new post go up on the site. So if you haven't checked out the site since the beginning of November, you got a lot to go through because we have... Tons of new content. We've got the album review from Layla Hathaway that we talked about. From my hip-hop heads, we got a review of Talib Kweli's new album, which was very good. We've got the review of Fabulous and Jada Kiss's new album, which was not very good. So even though that was highly anticipated, it was quite disappointing. We got Love Letters. We've got the return of the Whatever Happened to column with In Vogue. Please read that because that thing took me forever to write. And we also had a lot of posts focusing on, we talked about five great hip-hop albums you might have missed this year, five great R&B albums you may have missed. Shout out to Janae Aiko, who showed us some love on that one. Oh, yes, and we also got love from Miss Erica Badu herself. I ranked her entire catalog. She showed me some love there. So check out, and thanks for my girl Badu, because that was a big one. I also ranked the Marvel movies that have come out, all 17 of them. We rank Whitney Houston's catalog. Play, I did so much this month. Just go to Soul and Stereo, scroll down, and read it all. Damn, you've been busy. Busy, dog. Worked myself sick. <laughs> I hear that. Um, not much really going on uh, for me. Actually, you know what? There is. I'm going to be interviewing Tierra Thomas as well as Gabby Wilson. I mean her next week when they... <laughs> come for a Hers Lights On tour. Uh, that'll be kind of interesting. I'm kind of mad though, Ed, because I went on YouTube and someone actually did an on-video camera interview with her and you can actually see her face and everything. So we will not really? be able to get that. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that they let that fly. Yeah, it kind of didn't look like she knew that she was being filmed, but hey, we got to do anything for the likes these days, Ed. <laughs> It's hard out here for a paid share player. You got to do what you can do. Hey, Tank said it best. You got to be in savage mode. <laughs> Please do not reference Tank on this podcast today. Kyle, I mean, Tom is not here, so we can get away with that. Fair enough. 
Uh, so that seems to be it for today's podcast. I know I intentionally skipped the Hall of Fame because we've done too many without Tom. So we'll definitely get that started again next week when Tom makes his epic return. I know he's been in and out of the lineup, but we're definitely ready to have him back. Ed, anything you want to add? No, shout out again to my boy. I know he's been busy with family. This is kind of what you do around the holidays. I, in fact, am going to get off of here soon and put up my Christmas tree in my house with no refrigerator. So I'm going to just use the hate from my Chris Brown stands to cool my house. Damn. And Ed, just like the 112 comeback that just came and went, well, we just came and now we're gone. Peace. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Awful player. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.